Praise God. Praise God. What about you, Bob? I'm thankful the Lord has given us a president that's willing to fight for us. Thank you, Father. Well, let's just go to the Lord, and I'll, I'll go ahead and give God thanks for the offering there since Jacob didn't care to bless it for us or thank him. But Lord, we thank you so much. We love you and we honor you. We thank you that we're able to give and we're able to give with a cheerful heart. Father, we thank you right now. We pray that that will return, return tenfold. Father, I do. I lift up our president right now in our nation. Lord, I pray for unity in our nation. As he said in that video, when we come in together in unity, there's nothing that we cannot do. There's no force that can come against us. Lord, we just thank you right now. We thank you for all your blessings. Lord, I pray that you'll be with me during this message and your Holy Spirit will take over. Let it be your words and not mine, Father. And I give you all praise and all glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Well, praise God. I want to get this brought up here. I want to start out with the same scripture that we opened up this morning with. That's Psalms 100, verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. There is so much packed into that one little scripture there. Enter his gates. A gate is an opening or it's a door. It's a port. It can even be a city leading to another city. So into his courts with praise, a court is an enclosed yard or a tower or another village. But praise is the entryway to that. I don't know about you, but I love being in the presence of the Lord. There's no place I would rather be than in the presence with the Lord. There's nothing else like it. And this right here tells me that praise and thanksgiving takes me there. Thanksgiving gets me in the gate. Praise gets me right in the inside court. Thanksgiving in the Strongs, that's entry 8426, it says it's an extension of the hands, or it's an adoration, a choir of worshipers, a sacrifice of praise. Thanksgiving can come in many ways. It's an, it's an event, you know, like we celebrate traditionally today. You know, today, Thanksgiving, we're going to have this, this Thursday you know, um, Thanksgiving can be an event or tradition. It can be a gesture, verbal. It can be an action. It can be prayer. It can be through song. It can be corporate. It can be individual. But one of the most important parts to remember when it comes to Thanksgiving, though, is in Leviticus twenty-two twenty-nine. It says, when you offer a sacrifice of Thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it with your own free will. And I'm reminded... Of, uh, of kids, you know, that's fighting, and you tell your kid, go apologize. And they go there, I'm sorry. You, you know what I'm talking about? You, you know that that wasn't no heartfelt apology. It wasn't no heartfelt, I'm sorry. And we can do the same thing with Thanksgiving. If we go to the Lord, he knows whether it's heartfelt or not, or if we're just doing it because we're supposed to do it, or somebody tells us to do it. There's, uh, here's some scriptures to explain how Thanksgiving is, a, is, a, is an actual event. Nehemiah 11:17, it says, The leader who began the Thanksgiving with prayer. And again, in Nehemiah 12:8, it says, list a bunch of names there, and I'm not going to try to say them all, but then Mataniah, who led the Thanksgiving Psalms. So they're at an actual event that's for its whole purpose is for Thanksgiving. 
and it links prayer and psalms and song together with thanksgiving. Here's another scripture to go that ties songs together with thanksgiving as well. Psalm 69.30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. When we look at something under a magnifying glass, does that image actually get bigger? No. It gets brought closer to us, right? That is what thanksgiving does when, we, when, when we're thanksgiving. It magnifies God. It brings God closer to us. It doesn't make him bigger than already. He's as big as he is. He's ever expanding. But when we go to him with thanksgiving, it enlarges our perspective of him. It brings him closer, and I'm reminded of a little story of his father and a son. And the son asked the father, says, how big is God? And the dad says, well, you see that plane up there? He says, yeah. So how, do you think that, how big do you think that is? It doesn't look very big, dad. So then he takes the boy to the airport, and that same plane, same type of plane, when you see it there on the ground in the airport, says, now how big do you think that plane is, son? Dad, that is huge. That is the same way with God. When we magnify God, it takes him from that perspective of being way out there. But when we bring him in and we go to him and he comes to us, it's like looking at that huge airplane in the airport. He is bigger than we could ever could have imagined when we kept him, when we kept him at bay and we held him out there as a pie in the sky. But when we reach in and we magnify with thanksgiving and he is enlarged in our perspective, he is bigger. He is man, wow, dad, that is huge. God wants us to see him that way. Wow, wow, dad, you are huge. He wants us to view him like that in, his, in our lives. This next scripture, it's Psalm 95, 1 through 3, and if you link that together with that Psalm 104 we've been reading, you'll see a pattern forming. It says, oh, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let me read that again. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. That's another one that backs that up. Thanksgiving leads us right into his presence. Thanksgiving is a, it's a key to peace. It's not the whole picture, but it, Thanksgiving is a key to peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace is not the whole thing. But when we go to him with prayer and we go to him with think, and we link thanksgiving with it, that leads to peace, peace that we cannot even comprehend. Thanksgiving is, a, is an everyday part of heaven. Revelation 7, verse 11 says, All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. They're standing around all day long singing, holy, holy is his name and giving thanksgiving. 
That is going to be our everyday life when we get to heaven. It's singing praises and lifting up and magnifying him with thanksgiving. Let's get an early start. What would happen if we done it now every day? Man. Let's go to Luke 17. This is probably one of the most read stories about Thanksgiving. It's the tenth story of the ten lepers. Verse 11 says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered the village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lift up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There's a lot, so much in this one little story. We're going to go through it real quick. But there's a, that one little point right there that they recognized him far off. There is always a, already a recognition of who Jesus is and what he's capable of doing in their lives. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. It didn't happen right at that moment. And it didn't wait to happen until they seen the priest either. It said, on the way, as they went, on their way, they became healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And by the way, he was a Samaritan. It's kind of funny how it throws that in there. And he was a Samaritan. I wonder if he even made it all the way to the priest before he turned around. It didn't say that he was declared clean by the priest. It said when he saw that he was cleaned, he returned. I think this guy was so excited and so filled with thanksgiving in his heart that he never even made it to the priest. He went straight back giving God glory. Don't hold that to me that the Bible does not say that, but I just feel in my heart that that could have happened, that he was so excited, so full of joy at that moment that what God did, that he immediately turned and went back to him. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are there nine? That is, I, I can sense a little sarcasm in that statement there. And I don't think it was <clears throat> the other nine weren't there, so we know he wasn't talking to them. But I think he was talking to the disciples and the bystanders showing, look what happens. You know, I healed ten, and there's only one that's got, got the recognition and the heart to come back and thank me for what I've done for him. That's a note to us. When you not recognize, when you see that you're clean, when you see that you've been healed, when you see that you've got a blessing in your life, turn and give thanks to him. Don't wait for, don't give Jesus the opportunity for a sarcasm remark, where did he go after I did it? I don't, treading on shallow water, I'm not saying our God's sarcastic, but just the wording of it. So whether or not any found her return to give him glory except this foreigner. There he goes again, that Samaritan, that foreigner. You know what? I think sometimes there's, you could say a foreigner is, you can relate to not a Christian. We can put it in that perspective. But, you know, they all recognize God. So if we put that, they recognize who Jesus was. So we could say that in nowadays, that could have been ten Christians. But only one 
turn back. Or, you know, it's talking about that foreigner. Maybe that, that one wasn't a Christian because he didn't. He wasn't like the rest of us. You know, sometimes I think that the ones who aren't saved, when they see what Jesus really does in their life, that they're more excited and they're more likely to turn back and run to him than us as Christians when we already know it. And that's sad to think that we get kind of numb, that we're not willing to go back and give him praise for all the little things that he's done in our life, little or big things. But a foreigner, he ran back and fell at his feet, yelled with a loud voice with thanksgiving. And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, Pastor, I believe that you have taught this before. I'm not 100% sure there. But there's the fact that he come back in that statement, he says to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. There's another dimension that he got. There's a, they all got a physical healing. It said when they walked away, they were healed. But this one, when he come back with that Thanksgiving, he got an additional. He got something else there. He got another level. You know, I think he was healed inside and outside. His faith, your faith made you well. And I think this is what you alluded to before, Pastor, but I'm reminded of the Shunammite woman in uh, 2 Kings 4.26. And the man of God sends his servant says, please run now to meet her and say to her, you know, her son just died. Her son is dead. And he sends this messenger to find out how she is. How are, how's, your, how's your husband? How are you? How's your son? It is well, she says. We all know darn good and well it ain't well. Her son is dead. Things aren't all good and well in our lives all the time. We've got dead issues in our life. We've got problems that we face in our life that on the surface is not well. But when she made that statement, it is well. I think of that. That's what that leper got at that time. It is well. Regardless of the physical circumstances, regardless of what he could see, he got another level of healing. Regardless of what comes at him, he's able to say, it is well with my soul. Regardless of the hardships, regardless of the losses, when we get to that point of healing, God, we're able to say, with thanksgiving, it is well. I'm going to go to one more story here. It's Exodus 17, verse 8. There's a, I got a picture I gave them. Will you put that up as I read, as I read through this, Dylan? And Linda, you clear <laughs> The verse you read this morning, lift up you weary hands, strengthen the weak hands. Exodus 17, 8 says, now Amalek came and fought with Israel, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. 
But Moses' hands becoming heavy. So they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Bur, her, supported his hands one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. One of the, def- the first definitions I read of Thanksgiving is an extended hand. When we go to God with an extended hand, we are in a position of victory. But when we get weary and we forget why we're there and we forget what he's done, we forget the blessings that he's done for us, that he's given us, our hands are down, the victory begins to swing the other way. There is so much in that story right there. It says, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that it will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn that Lord, the Lord will have, will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The Lord is my banner. What is our rod today? What is the rod we hold up? It's that memorial that the Lord is our banner. That's the, that's the rod that we hold up today, that he is our banner. Song of Songs says that his banner over me is love. And when you hold that up over you, there's nothing that can come against you. His love never fails as long as we're holding it up above everything else. Jesus is our Lord. He is our banner. I'm thankful that his mercy endureth forever. I'm thankful that his banner over me is love. I'm thankful that I'm covered by his blood. I'm thankful that I'm covered by grace. Things may look grim, but when I hold up the rod and my banner of my Jesus, there's victory. There's abundance where there's lack. There's healing where there's sickness. There's healing where there's brokenness. There's wholeness when I'm holding up my banner. In church, there's never a time like now that we've got to hold up this banner. The nation may be coming around us, but we've got to hold up the banner. And we may be Moses, or we could be Aaron or her. We could be the one holding the rod, or we may be the one that's needing to hold up the guy next to us. Helping him holding his arm up. Being a support system for them. This story, there's, I think there's still yet more to that story, but I mean, God has just confirmed it and confirmed it time after time that there's something to that story for me. When I first come, I first seen it, I think it was on a Sunday night. I was just about to go to bed. It was on Facebook, and I seen that picture on Facebook. So I saved the picture, and Monday morning in my, in my study time, I, w- I read the story. And right after that is the same time that Pastor had given us that book from, uh, about Washington Carver, The Man Who Speaks to Flowers, page 57. I remember the page. Some guy's talking to Dr. Carver. He says, even though when you, when you go on, your spirit's still going to be here in this laboratory. So when your assistant pours acid into that beacon, your hand is going to be there holding his hand, steadying it. That was just one confirmation. 
That was that was on a Monday morning. That Monday night, we went to the Recycling Grace, the fundraising gala they had. And Scott Ennis, he sung a song, I think it was written by John Snyder, but I think it was entitled uh, These Hands. Scott, that is Karen's nephew. He's the voice of Scooby-Doo. But he sung the, the song These Hands. And it's talking about, you know, these hands, they've done a lot of things. They've, they've worked, they've took care of my family, but they've never split the Red Sea. They've never healed the blind. But one day, these hands will know when those hands are holding these. And that just, just kept resounding with me. That he's going to be there holding my hands up one day. He's going to be holding my hands. Reminds me of footprints, you know, the, the, the poem footprints. When you look back and you only see, see one, it's then that he carried me. You know, same thing right now. He's be holding our hands up. And then I think it was that Sunday we're here and pastor starts blessing us. And so he starts blessing. I don't know who it was. He said, thank you for helping them hold their hand up because they didn't put their hand up yet to, to receive the blessing. And I guess somebody grabbed their hand and pulled it up. And he said, thank you for helping their hand up. Small things, but to me they stuck out like, because this was on my heart. God was laying this on me, so I kept picking up these little things. And then as he goes on, we've all been there when he gets, keeps blessing and blessing. We're thankful for the blessing, but we start getting tired, right? He goes, keep those hands up. You know, and again, I'm just, all right, God. I know there's something there. Keep those hands up. That was on Sunday, and then the, the next Monday morning, he sends me the video. We watched it that following Wednesday by Hank Kunerman, Kuhneman. And at the end of that video, right there towards the end, he says the same thing. He says, we must hold the rod up. Church, we must hold the rod up right now. Right now, we must be holding the rod up. The banner of Jesus, the name of Jesus, has got to be held high during this time. We've got to be lifting up the name with thanksgiving. We've got to be magnifying that name. Everywhere we go, people got to see that name. They have to see that banner and us holding it up. When we see those around us weakening, I mean, that video we watched today, he said there's nothing worth Nothing worth doing comes without a fight. We're fixing to be in a fight regardless. And we've got to be there for each other and we've got to be ready. But the only way that we're going to win that fight is by holding up the rod. If we let the rod down, the victory's going to swing the other way. I don't care who the president is. But we've got to keep the rod up high. Those banners are like flags. We've got to keep them lifted high. Lord, I just thank you right now. I give you praise and I give you glory, Lord. Lord, I pray that when his hands get weary, Lord, that you will strengthen them. Let me never forget why I'm here and why I'm blessed with what I'm blessed with. 
nothing worth having comes without a fight. I don't care if it's a relationship. I don't care if it's a marriage. There is a fight that we've got we to go through. And that victory is in holding up the rod. Lord, I just thank you right now. Have your way in this place. That went a whole lot faster than I thought it was going to this morning. But I pray that somebody is encouraged that during this time, you know, no matter what's going around us, Thanksgiving is one of our keys to victory. Lifting up that name is the key, is the key to victory.